This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Welcome to the Abiding Together podcast, my friends, where we hope to provide you a place of connection, rest, and encouragement on the journey, seeking the heart of Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James, and I am joined by my lovely, lovely, beautiful friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger on the journey together. Heather Kim, how are you today? I am doing great. How are you, Sister? I'm doing pretty well. We were just laughing really hard before we started recording, so I'm barely keeping it together right now, but that's not a bad place to be. So, uh, Michelle, how's it going today? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm trying not to laugh at Sister Miriam's face, trying not to laugh. So I'm <laughs> I know. We're trying. We're just trying to, like, just on the journey, people, trying to keep it together. <laughs> I think it's, a, can I just say, before we just delve into our part four of our feminine genius, can I just say what a gift laughter is? Can I just say that? I mean, I think we forget about that. Just such a healing gift. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you've been listening, you know that we've been on a little journey together and uh, we, this is part four of our series on the feminine genius. And so we've talked about sensitivity and receptivity and generosity. And today we are going to talk about maternity as one of the great gifts of uh, the feminine genius. So, which is both physical and spiritual maternity, this um, the aspect of, of the gift of oneself. And we're going to frame this show around a beautiful quote by St. Teresa Benedicta of the cross or formerly known as Edith Stein, a wonderful, wonderful uh, philosopher and just great woman, intellectual woman. And she says this, she says, the woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter and as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. Uh, and I just, you can imagine that, you know, that even the, I think it's Proverbs that talks about a faithful friend is a sturdy shelter mm-hmm. and the shelter where people can find refuge, like our lady of refuge, our lady of, you know, where sinners come and people just come and, and find refuge in her heart. So can we just talk about that quote? First of all, a woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. Uh, Heather, what comes to your mind when you think about that? You know, there's a lot that comes to my mind. That is a beautiful quote. I think, um, you know, just I, my, my mom is on my heart again, you know, as we talk about mothers and the feminine genius, obviously I can't help but think of my own mother, but yeah, I definitely feel I ha- I have experienced that in my own growing up that my mom, it, it, she did feel like a shelter for me, um, especially in the tumultuous years of high school and all of that stuff. But also, you know, I, it made me ask the question to myself, how am I a shelter? Is that how I act? Is that how I, what I provide for other people? Um, so it's a good question for me to reflect on. It makes me want to sit with that for a little while and reflect on my relationships and how I can really be a shelter for other people. That's a good one. Lovely. How about you, Michelle? Michelle, what about you? For me, I, um, once again, I love this quote. I love Edith Stein. In my mind, she is a rock star. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the whole idea of a safe sh- that other people can unfold in a safe shelter. You know, for me, the, um, what's really strong and maybe it's because it's something that I'm working on right now um, is a greenhouse, you know, where there's a lot of natural light and people can come and be nurtured and restored and flourish and then um, transplanted to where they need to be to grow fully and beautifully and, um, and in splendor. And um 
I just think that is the beauty of women, you know, is that we are greenhouses in a way, you know, we're, we're safe places, you know, um, I think something that's on all of our hearts is to create safe places within our homes and safe places within the church for mm-hmm. people to flourish and grow and really be rooted in identity. Um, but to watch the beauty of who they are and their identities unfold in a safe environment. And so, yeah, great quotes, you know, what about you, sister? I think it's beautiful. And I just love that image of a shelter. And you think of like a stormy day or, you know, rain and where you can go and find, you know, refuge and safety. And I, I just love, you know, just being a woman and I for a long time and it's still a journey. I mean, I'm on a journey like everybody else of God restoring my femininity. You know, it just was, uh, I felt being a woman, just being a woman was a struggle for me. And I didn't, there's our parts of my femininity that I didn't, hadn't made friends with yet, or that I hadn't brought to God or allowed him to enter more fully into. And so I would often fight against myself. And I just, see like I just love this reality of a woman body and soul is so beautiful I mean you see it biologically when a woman conceives a child that her body is literally a shelter so that an immortal soul literally unfolds Mm -hmm. (laughs) and grows and finds life and and you see that magnified in the depths of her soul where people can come and find refuge and and wisdom and and kindness and and beauty and truth and and where we offer that is for each other as well that you know we become a shelter for one another as well because all of us have times in our life where we need a shelter too and we always have that with our blessed mother she's always our shelter she's our firm refuge where we can go i think that especially in society today that's such a gift uh part of the feminine genius and and it's true in the area of maternity. And we have another quote. We you know, talked about John Paul II, obviously, a lot, and just in his theology of the body, but also his letter on the dignity and vocation of women, his letter to women. And, and he just says this. So I'm just going to tie these two quotes together. He says, our time in particular awaits the manifestation of that genius which belongs to women, which can ensure sensitivity for human beings in every circumstance. He says, necessary emphasis should be placed on the genius of women, not only by considering great and famous women of the past or the present, but also those ordinary women who reveal the gift of their womanhood by placing themselves at the service of others in their everyday lives. So ordinary women, ladies, when you think of that kind of phrase, ordinary women, and just placing ourselves at the gift of service of being life bearers in everyday life. Uh, Michelle, what comes to your mind, especially as a mom of six and just all the ways that you serve the church and the world? The quote by Pope John Paul II is um, about ordinary ways. Um, You know, for me, the season of life that I'm in, this is actually more vital to me than anything else. You know, um, I love what I get to do ministry wise right now. I am designing a lot of fun projects that I get to do, you know, um, because my youngest is in first grade, you know, so I get to use other gifts that I haven't used in a couple of years, you know, and I'm allowed to travel and speak. Um, my life lends freedom to that right now a little bit more than I did when my kids were little, but, um, Um, that is not where I see, and I love doing it. I love speaking to women. I love hearing their stories. I love teaching. I love gathering women, but what, um, where I see God the most is in the sacred ordinary, you know, in my house, you know, where God reveals himself to me the most is, um, with my little people, you know, and my husband and stuff like that. It's been really interesting. This Lent has been really good for me. Um, it's been very refining for me, but there's been an openness to that refinement where I haven't had that before in a long time. I think it's since I chose that darn word surrender for the year, like God's like, (laughs) let me show you what I'm going to do. 
But liturgy literally means, he's showing me that literally means work of the people. You know, that is what liturgy means. And yes, we do liturgy on Sunday and the beautiful as Catholics in the mass. And that is work of the people. But there's something about ordinary liturgy, you know, the work of the people, you know, for me doing the laundry, doing things that mundane tasks, that is holy too. Like that is set apart and that is sacred. And that is where I really see God, you know, and where he shows up to me. It's not in the big things. It's always in the little every day that he reveals himself to me in personal ways. So, yeah. How about you, Heather? Yeah, that resonates with me as well. This year um, has has been the most unusual year that I've had, surprising in many ways. So I have three children, um, a 14-year-old girl, uh, Maria, and then Judah, who's 11, and then our daughter, Eva, who's 10. And both girls are being homeschooled this year. That was not the plan. I've never homeschooled before. <laughs> Let me tell well, you. Life interrupted. That oh was gosh. seriously not my plan. <laughs> I'm the one who was like, always, I will never, ever, 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 ever do that. Like, I'm just not cut out for it. It's not my thing. Like, I love my kids dearly, but I just didn't feel like I could ever be a homeschooling mom. But then circumstances unfolded and... Um, you know, one of my daughters had an injury and it was just, you know, really difficult for her to get around school. And so she needed to just be at home. It was a long-term injury in her leg to recover. And then our other daughter, it was just the best decision for her, for her well-being um, to, to be at home during this year. And so it was an unexpected decision, but it was the right decision. And I knew it right away. And I was scared. And it was, I was like, how is this going to happen, Lord? Like, I, my plate is full. You know, I'm planning a big women's retreat this year. There's other things I'm partnering with, with you two and uh, events and traveling. And, you know, I do ministry work here at our parish. And there's just so many other things going on. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is the most important thing. Like you were saying, Michelle, it's like, all those things are wonderful. And I, I love speaking. And I love doing ministry and I love traveling. Um, but at the end of the day, it's in the it's in the regular decisions and moments where it really counts. And so being home with them this year and trying to juggle my work as well as being present to them, I've just found myself more and more just putting the work aside, putting it on hold, because I don't ever want them to feel like they're in addition to what's going on. It's like, okay, I'll, you're interrupting me from my real work. <laughs> you know, the, mm-hmm. the real work of sorts, if you want to call it work, is in being present and, and loving and being attentive. Not that I can't have space and that they need to respect that, but but really, I, I feel like this is a this is a time where I need to be present to them. And so it is in the ordinary that it it is most important um, for me to live out this calling. It's in the conversations and how many conversations we've gotten into about life and things that really matter because I chose, there was grace. I cooperated with it to be present in the moment with, with, uh, with my children and with my family. And so I'm actually finding a lot more peace in that now, but it's a learning process, you know, it's learning. It's like you're in training in some ways. Like, Lord, how do you want me to love and be present in the ordinary, in the everyday moments? Because that's where it counts. Amen, Heather. That, that, I mean, amen to both of you. That's really true. And 
perhaps, you know, many times we think that when like that idea of if only I had this, then I would be this, or when I get to this moment, then I'm going to start loving or, and and it's, we, we miss the present moment. It's so cliched. It's on every Hobby Lobby like plaque, but it's like the present moment, like the sacredness, I think, or Michelle, you call the sacred ordinary. And that is so true. And I just for myself, I've been so convinced of that lately. And you talk about like my word for the year is trust and holy cow. Yeah. This just had some things really unleash that is requiring that deeper surrender to the present moment. And it's this illusion of control, this illusion of, you know, I can do something about the future, the past, but just to choose to love in the present moment, to love the sisters that I live with, to, to when I go to the grocery store, to just be a present to people, you know, and, and like you said, it, it, many times it feels like, Oh, that's not my real life. Like I'm about my real life and these are interruptions. And like, that's not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's opposite, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it is opposite. And for a woman, you know, in our, in our spiritual maturity of the gift of maternity of being real life bearers, giving life to people in all situations and not just one situation or this situation, but to choose to continually give life, I think is a powerful witness. And I, I would just love for our listeners, cause I love you both. And I, and I know you both, but I would just love for the listeners to hear your heart on, especially the area of maternity, since you're both physical mothers and spiritual mothers and Michelle, you're also adoptive mother. Just how do you see in society today, this call to maternity? How do you see it as the, the feminine genius that's really needed today, Michelle, like as you kind of go in your daily life and what is this gift of maternity that is so needed from women to give to the world today? Yeah, I think um, for maternity, like there's a quote, I think Mother Teresa, you know, the problem with our world is that we draw the circle of family too small. Mm. You know, um, there's physical um, motherhood and there's spiritual motherhood. And it's not an either or it's a both and, you know. And I realized for me, like, especially being someone that does ministry, if I make it where it flows out of my vocation and our family, and I bring my kids alongside with it, um, that is where the fruit is that will last. You know, that is the total fruit that will last in our family. Um, and that's what we love, like bringing other people and to be a part of family. Um, that's where we see the most fruit and the most things that last. But I think for one thing, um, like I see maternity is... Um, Like we've said a couple of times, just being life bearers, but calling forth life out in other people, you Mm. know, Um, calling life out in my children and other people. It is easier for me to do spiritual motherhood in that way and call forth life, you know, that people that don't live in my house and leave dirty dishes in my sink are (laughs) spots everywhere. Or, you know, yeah, I mean, I have three middle school boys and two of them are the smelliest creatures I've ever seen. Like, your lack of hygiene is just amazing to me. Like it is leaves me all and in wonder many times. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I can't even believe this is happening, you know? Um, but it was interesting, you know, we have six and um, I just went on a trip this past weekend with our middle child and he is like the quintessential middle child. Not only he is the only one out of all of us that is blonde and blue eyes. It looks like my husband. The other three are dark complected like me. And then we have our two little Haitians. So, I mean, he sticks out like <laughs> a sore thumb. And he and I had a three-day trip to Orlando. He had an event for school and we went together. And it was really weird to just have one child and be one-on-one. But what was really good, and I was telling my husband when I got back, I was like, I got to see him in a totally different way. And we had the most amazing conversations Um, because I could be fully present to him and listen to him. But I realized in me, like, okay, I expect him to be things that 
are not realistic expectations. I need to allow him to be who God created him to be mm-hmm. and not the expectations. And I really had to check myself on that on a lot of ways. And it's funny because he's the child that's probably most like me, you know, and so that we just great upon, you know, each other, you know, but I also realized that, um, just like that I did it. He was, I was asking him some really great questions and he was answering. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I did not know the answers to these questions, you know? So it was a really just a good gut check for me also to be like, all right, this is going by quickly. And these ordinary moments and these conversations on a deeper level are the ones that need to happen, you know, um, for me, like to hear their stories and allow them to be who they are supposed to be, you know? And so what about you, Heather? Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, you know, having children has completely changed my whole life. Like uh, the capacity to love uh, increases, I find, the more that you sacrifice, the more that you that you give. I mean, it's interesting thinking about being a new mother years ago how it's so hard in those initial moments. It's so hard to, to be woken up, you know, five times a night, you feel like you're going crazy. You have someone who needs you constantly. You have no space. You barely get to have a shower. There's like all of these different things going on um, that stretch your capacity to where you think I can't do this anymore. And you can't like you're stretched far beyond any human capacity to, to give to another person. And yet at the same time, that's what bonds you to that little person. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, in a fierce kind of way, like you, you end up loving your children so fiercely because you literally have laid your life down for them. Mm -hmm. And I think even in spiritual motherhood, you know, there's an aspect of that, um, that God wants to bring to fruition. I agree with you, Michelle, like on one hand, mother Teresa says, if you want to, if you want to love the world or whatever the quote is exactly, go home and love your family or do great things. I can't remember exactly the quote. Do either of you know? Yes. Yeah, so if you want world peace, go home and love your family. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And so, and, and that is so true. And we need to widen the circle of our family as well. So I think yeah. there's like a both end in there. Um, yeah. But sometimes we disregard it as being too small. You know, we overlook it. It's like, how can I love in bigger ways and more noticeable ways um, instead of just loving like in the most important ways in our home and in our circle. And I know for a while, like as God has burned like certain callings on my life and he had me in a season of just being hidden and waiting um i i would wonder often like god what do you want me to do with all of this like i i you haven't provided like this big outlet for for all these things that you're burning in my heart and i i was really convicted by something christine kane said she's a a protestant preacher three hill song she's wonderful i really really like her but she just said like what what are you called to do just do it right now like you're not waiting for anything you know just do it in your circle even if it's very small because ultimately in the kingdom it's not small it's not small to love another person it's not small to be a shelter for another um and to provide for them and so i just began to love more deeply not that i wasn't loving but love more deeply like the mom who just had a baby who needs meals and the person who's right in my life and my kids you know right in the day like all of those things and it's changing me it is changing i don't do it perfectly by any stretch of the imagination i'm very broken but but yeah i there's a beautiful quote by dr mary healy which i think kind of wrapped it up for me which she said women have a vocation to bear and deliver love into the world Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And whether it be, you know, physically with our children or spiritually, you know, 
that that is our vocation to bear and deliver love into the world and and nothing is too small love is never small how about you sister i'm really curious to hear like your vocation um and even though you're not a physical physical mother like you are a spiritual mother to many and you have spiritual mothers in your life as well just what does that look like for you and how you live that out in your vocation yeah, that's been a great gift. You know, people often think, you know, they look at our lives and mother, you know, we were just quoting the heck out of mother Teresa, but she would often say that, you know, that as sisters, we're not social workers, you know, we're brides of Christ, we're, we're spiritual mothers. And, and that's very true. So a woman who gives her, who heeds that call from the gospel, from Jesus saying, you know, some people forsake marriage for the kingdom. It's not just forsaking marriage, it's forsaking marriage and earthly marriage for the kingdom, for the eschatological sign of union with Jesus Christ, that you, you've literally embody the church of who Christ is all in all. And and it's a sign that one day we will all be consummated in complete union with the one whom we love in life-giving love forever. And so when we make a vow, you know, we make vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Our vow of chastity is, is just that, a vow of chastity. Now, for me, it's lived out in celibacy. But when you talk about chastity, it's really a simple definition of is love rightly ordered. So my call is to give the gift of myself, this outpouring of myself and love rightly ordered to love you, to love the people that God is sending into my life, to love, but to love all and to be a sign of, you talk about the stretching, it's a stretching of the soul to encompass all and bring them to Christ, to, to bear Christ to life and other people. And that's really my goal. My whole goal is to, is to bring people to Jesus is to bring them into an encounter with Christ. And, and it is, it is a great sacrifice. You know, people often ask me like, Oh my gosh, how could you do that? Like that would be so hard. And, and a lot of people think it's weird or whatever, but it really is. It's a deep sign and a calling. And just like your life, it's a deep purification at times too, you know, where you go before Jesus and you, and you lay your heart out and, but it's, but you become a universal sister and mother as well. And people, I mean, I, I have countless stories of people coming up to me in airports and grocery stores and just on the street and just having conversations and asking me to pray for them. And, and just that you become a sign of hope. And I think that is the feminine genius to be able to give my, you know, to continue to give our lives for that. Um, and it has to be done in the moment to moment. So that always choosing to love, to, to make the gift of myself. And so it's a, it's a, it's a incredible call. Um, and like you, it has, it's awesome days and it has, it's really hard days. <laughs> and, um, and it's always a day where we receive the grace of Christ, but it's something beautiful. And it's, it's a sign as a marriage is a sign. It's also a sign as well of God's love for us. Mm-hmm. And so I feel, um, it's a great mystery and a beautiful one indeed. Yeah, definitely beautiful. Yeah. And, and we need you, you know, like I think, gosh, like you, you in particular, but other sisters as well, such a witness to me and to the world. I remember walking downtown Vancouver. I mean, it's, it's a sign of contradiction, right? With the world, oh, like yeah. just even your habit and the whole life is such a contradiction in the world. And I, and I love the contradiction to be noticed because people, it's so rare. <laughs> so I remember you were Awkward. visiting, you were, speaking, you were speaking at a conference in Vancouver and remember we went out and we were going to go get caramel apples yes. up at Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory. And so we went out for a walk and literally everybody <laughs> that we walked by stopped and, and they do a double take. Yeah. No, it wasn't yeah. even subtle. It was not even subtle. Like their jaw kind of dropped open and they watched her walk the whole way. <laughs> I was like, do you know how obvious do you look right now? Like, are you serious? Um, but it wasn't negative. Like it was just like, what? Like I've never yeah. seen this before, you know, and it's this stunning um, example of, yeah, what we're looking forward to, to be a bride. Yeah you know, to be in union with Jesus. And gosh, we need that. We need that so badly. So 
I am so grateful, sister, for your vocation. It teaches me a great deal about my own vocation to love as well. I love it because when you're with her, and we forget that she's in a habit, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, look at her. You know, sisterhood is like the eighth wonder of the world. That's what I should say. Religious sisterhood, the eighth wonder of the world. Just be awed and amazed, you know, because, but it's a sign of hope. Like we said, you Absolutely. know, um, total sign of hope. And, um, well, and I think it really goes on with uh, which one of you talked about the both and of motherhood. Like that's the both and of love, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not, it's not one or the other. It's really that, and yeah, each one requires sacrifices, but it's the both and they're complementary of that, of that witness of maternity, which is what John Paul II said, you know, women go into the world, but go into the world as a woman, you know, like it's not this, people think the church has boxed women in and this kind of narrow stereotypical idea of, of maternity or even all the things we've talked about, generosity or receptivity or sensitivity. It's this, uh, it's un leashing of the feminine beauty upon the world that brings healing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's what Christ, you know, that's what he calls us to, you know, and just kind of our, our journey as women. And what a great gift to be, to be a woman. Don't you think, I mean, what an incredibly great gift. Yeah, I think so. And I think yeah, that's yeah. like you said, you yeah. know, sometimes we can wrestle with that. And what does that mean? Or are we fully living it? And sometimes we have wounds in those areas of our femininity and motherhood, whether it be spiritually. Sometimes we have poor mothers, you know, we don't have good witnesses of that. But just that God is always there to restore things that have been lost and broken. And all the love comes from him anyway. And so to just remember that he is our source, that in any way that we don't feel capable, that's actually better because he is the one that is capable. Uh Amen. Yeah, and we certainly have a mother, a blessed mother who loves us, who just is, who loves us, who is fearless, this fearless warrior, just this tender woman who's the perfection of all we hope to be and who just so is so tender and kind and just she is a refuge for all of us women, especially teaching us what it means to be a woman. I go to her often and say, Mom, you got to tell me, I don't know what to do. You just got to help me. You got to help me out here. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And so- But I find, you know, for me, that's taken time for, you know, that devotion to Mary to become because for me, like, okay, she was unrelatable. Like you have one kid and he's perfect. Sorry. You know, like, um, (laughs) that's so true. And you're kind of virtuous yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, did she get moody? Like, really, you know, you want to, you know, um, we joke about it, but you know, it was it is a hard struggle. And I think, um, like you were saying, you know, parts of you sister, like femininity were not natural. And I think for us, parts of motherhood are not natural. And when they don't come natural, we beat ourselves up about that. Oh, yeah. You know, like we t- totally beat ourselves up. I remember bringing our oldest biological home and I'm like, what, you're just going to let me leave the hospital with him. And, <laughs> you know, like you have not checked me out, you know, and, you know, qualified. And, um, and I remember, especially like my heart always goes out to, and I just had a conversation with a young mom yesterday. Like when you have a lot of littles, at home and you have more than one or multiple and they are stair steps and you are in there and things are spilling. You are sleep deprived. You are changing diapers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is hard. That's when I call the in the trenches season of motherhood, you know, when nobody oh, yeah. can do anything for themselves and you don't have any children that can um, help you, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's very easy. unseen. Like, it's hard to see that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm living out my calling by being a professional wiper. Like, I wipe yes. everything. I wipe <laughs> counters. I wipe bums. I wipe noses. Like, it's basically my whole life is filled with wiping things. And you go, really, Lord? Is this what yeah. it's all about? 
Yeah. Okay. This is totally sacred in the ordinary. Here you go. And then on the flip side, you know, I'm very sensitive to, you know, the sisters of ours that, okay, they're not married and they're single. And where is their motherhood? And I don't like when single women in the church are treated as second class citizens because they're not wives or mothers yet, you know, and they'll be like, well, what's your vocation? You know, like the vocation isn't the finish line. The vocation is a way to grow in holiness, you know, man, holy cow. Say that again. Can you say mm -hmm. that again, Michelle? I said our vocation isn't the finish line. It is a way and a a path for us to grow in holiness that God has chosen, you know, and and God wants to put us on that path. He will, you know, and so, but we're not second, you know, the single women in our lives are not second class citizens in the church. They are first class, but it was interesting. I was listening to a friend of mine preach and she's amazing. Um, And she was just talking about like, you know, in the Old Testament, the mandate was be fruitful and multiply. And in the New Testament, the mandate is go make disciples, you know, and those are linked, you know, so like we are fruit bearers, yes, in our biological children, but we are fruit bearers because we are disciple makers, you know, and there's that spiritual motherhood or that, that spiritual sisterhood that makes disciples. And that is spiritual children for the kingdom, too. And we have to look at that. And so um, and I just think also with that whole idea of motherhood, motherhood cannot be done in isolation, mm-hmm. like it has to be a communal thing. When people ask me about my children, like, how did you do it? I didn't do it by myself. One, I lived in very close community and we lived at Cove Crest for Life Teen. I mean, but I had a village that raised my children. And even in Florida now, I still have a village that helps raise, mm-hmm. you know, we cannot do it in isolation and we're not called to do it in isolation. Mm-hmm. But that also means, you know, like we have to humble ourselves and say, okay, can you help? And a lot of us yeah. want to say like, I got this mother, I can do it because it, we think we're a less mother if we ask for help, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, um, or that, that we failed in some way, you know, yeah, that if you we know? can't do it, like everybody else can do it, you know, but I agree with you, Michelle, like the, the having community as, as, um, support for us is absolutely essential. There are friends in my life, um, both, men and women that really help our kids. They father them in some ways and they mother them in some ways. Like Jake and I can't possibly give everything to our kids. We, we are not that cool. Like there's just, we, we don't have everything to give them, you know? And so we give them as much as we can, but we also want them and we've encouraged them at times. I think you need to talk to this person or this person, like they're really good at this. They would be able to really journey with you through this. And we've been so grateful for our community and our life that loves our children like their own and and I love their kids like my own you know um and I I think you know sister it was reminding me of that story you were telling us about Adele yes yeah Uh, do you want to just share that briefly yes well I I came across an article about from Adele you know which is the most famous pop singer on planet earth right now and she was saying that you know she when she had her first child after she had her first child she and I'm paraphrasing here so I'm so sorry please don't don't sue me anybody but I'm paraphrasing here but she was saying that uh she finally felt like life was worth living like she had something to live for and people were just oh my gosh I can't believe she'd say that she's got all these Grammys but she's talking about the human person but then later on she said she revealed that she had a incredibly deep struggle with postpartum depression, like incredibly deep. So much so she really fears having another child. And she was telling, she was talking about 
talking about it to a girlfriend of hers and they were just talking about just how difficult motherhood is and how hard it is just to even say that sometimes. And, and I just, I was like, amen, girl, like, like that's where we as women can be shelters for one another. You know what I'm saying? And that having those honest conversations and like you both have said to admit when we need help to be a shelter for one another when we can and to admit when we we need help when we need somebody else to be a shelter for us. But it's true. Christianity, like life is not meant to be lived in isolation. And I think a lot of our struggles come from that where we feel isolated. Like we feel like I'm the only person dealing with this. I'm the only person who feels like this. I must be a bad woman, a bad mother, a bad person, whatever that is. But, um, but to read the reality of that, we desperately need one another (laughs) and that's how it's supposed to be. You know, Mm -hmm. even the Holy Trinity lives as a family, they're a family. And, and so naturally, of course, our deepest longing is for communion to be known and to be loved. And that's what we long for. And, you know, that's a special gift that we have as women to be able to, to give that to one another and to the world. And that's the feminine genius, the gift of self in love. Amen. Yeah. Well, ladies, it is our time for our one thing. All right. Our one thing where we talk about uh, what's blowing our mind this week. So Heather, Kim, do you have a one thing this week that you are loving? Scones. (laughs) Scones. Oh, I I have this recipe for scones that is just such a good, it's quick. It's one of those things that you can make quickly before somebody's coming over for coffee in the morning. Um, and you can kind of add whatever you want to it, you know, whether if it's kids coming over, you can throw some chocolate chips in there or blueberries or raspberries or whatever you like. Sometimes we've done, um, like the kids did a cinnamon sugar version of it. That was really good. So I'm going to post the recipe, um, on the, on the website. And, uh, yeah, I just thought, wow, this is just a good one. You know, it's a good, easy one. It's always nice. If you got the little British influence, you can throw out your, your jam and your raspberry (laughs) jam and, and, uh, whipped cream with it. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. Amen. Okay. Let me just do a little preface though. When Heather says it's an easy recipe, like (laughs) we were together a couple weeks ago and she said, I want to make these muffins. It's a really easy recipe. And then she sends me (laughs) the recipe 14 ingredients later. I'm like, okay, that is not easy to me. Like, um, whatever. So Heather is more of a domestic cook than I am. Okay. No, this is, this is, this is Michelle. (laughs) This is Michelle approved this recipe. Michelle, you could do it. Not that many ingredients. I love All right. it. I'm just saying. All right. Well, what's your one thing, Michelle? My one thing is actually um, it's a book and I read it a couple years ago and I am going to go to the library today and pick it up again to read on the plane because actually I'm getting on a plane to go see these two. We're speaking at a conference and um, outside of Vancouver together. So we'll all be together. Watch out. Um, but it's girl. by one of my favorite authors, uh, fiction authors, Charles Martin. It's called The Mountain Between Us. And mm. it is an awesome fiction story about uh, two different people. They get on this private plane, a man and a woman. And um, the woman is engaged. And the man is married. And the pilot has a heart attack in the mountains. And the plane goes down. And there are two surviving And it is a beautiful story of redemption and brokenness and love. And it's just awesome. And then I just found out they're making it into a movie and Kate Winslet has signed on to be it. So it's not only she hasn't. She has not only when I love it when books I read become movies. And so I'm totally excited. So, yeah, it's called The Mountain Between Us by Charles Martin. Anything that he writes, I highly recommend. He is an awesome fiction writer. And so, um, you know really like it sister what's your one thing 
Well, mine is a book also, and it's a book by uh, a gentleman named Dr. Bill Thierfelder. And so he's a former All-American uh, high jumper. And so he wrote a book called Less Than a Minute to Go. And it's a great book on sports psychology of how to succeed at the highest levels, but not just in sports, but in business and everyday life. And I just, I love his practical tools for like focus and how to, to kind of give yourself to the moment and how, you know, like God is writing these things in us and how do we give ourselves fully and at the, our highest level at all times. And I particularly love his chapter on play. And he said, one of the reasons why we love sports is because sports is the competitive form of play. And he defines play uh, as um, anything that like a recreation that brings us beyond ourselves into joy. And he talks about how play is so paramount, not only for children, but play is paramount for you and for me. And I just, I, I really just enjoyed the, I just enjoyed reading the book and just kind of learning. I'm not taking notes, you know, but I just love the re- that play, the reality of play has been so on my heart the last month or so. I know God's speaking to me in that. So I think it's important for people just to go out and play, go, mm-hmm. go do something that it's a recreation that's life giving that brings you into joy beyond yourself, forget yourself and just go have fun. And I think that's just so recreating and important for us. Love that. So yes, thank you, our dear listeners. Thank you so much for being on this journey with us through the Feminine Genius, our four-part series. We're so delighted that you came along with us and join us next time for a a brand new topic. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe, abidingtogetherpodcast.com and share it with a friend of yours. And if you could please give us a rating and a review on uh, iTunes, we would so appreciate it. So God bless you. And until the next time, we'll see you together. Abiding together. Bye-bye.